Football is sport kings. But it sure as hell ain't better than the Screen Pass podcast. Welcome to Screen Pass, the show about American football in popular culture. I'm Sheehan, and with me as always is a man who would rather have crooks from video games and fire the great Tom Landry, Justin Barber. You ready to shake some skulls? Woohoo! Absolutely, man. Ready to get into it. Pretty excited for this episode and dive into something a little bit different. Now, speaking of shaking skulls, you are a dyed-in-the-wool Jeep driver. I heard you had an interesting incident with a fellow Jeepist over the weekend. Yeah, um, I own a Wrangler and I got it a few years back. And since then, I've just really jumped into it. I do a lot of work to it. I mean, the beauty of a Jeep, it's they're so customizable. So I got a lift on it and I got nice tires. I'm constantly adding little things here and there, like headlights and all that stuff. I love it. I absolutely love it. Nothing. If I'm having a bad day, I keep the top off of it basically all summer. And then just throw, you know, I have a little thing that goes over top of it if it rains. So I'm constantly looking at the weather. But if I'm having a bad day, I just jump in that, turn on some music, drive around. It's awesome. But one of the really cool things about owning a Jeep is there's a a community with it. (laughs) So if you drive by someone with a Jeep eight or nine times out of ten, there's a little Jeep wave that they do, you know, and... If you pull up to a parking lot and you park, if another Jeep owner comes in, you'll notice like they all park next to each other. It's just like it's just these all these like cultural things that they do. And if you see someone with a Jeep, they'll talk to you about it. It's just a subcult that I didn't even really know I was getting into. I just wanted a Jeep. The other day I was coming out of Home Depot and I noticed something on the handle of my car. And I started to get closer and it's a little rubber duck and it's a thing in Jeep culture. They, they put around these ducks and it's duck, duck Jeep. I don't know where it comes from or what the thing is, but that's the hashtag, but all these Jeep owners do it. And some people get really into it. They put custom labels on it. This one had a label and it was basically, I like your Jeep. I hope this duck makes you smile. And that was it. No Instagram, nothing like that. But it did. It did make me smile. I was like, this is awesome. I got this weird looking duck just for existing. Yeah, so that happened the other day. It was a, it was a shock and I did post it on my social media and that's that's where you saw it. I had no idea that this was a thing at all. Jeep Freemasonry. Yep, and there's a there's a specific kind of wave that's done too. It's kind of like the um you know, the German three fingers kind of wave. It's like a little bit of a peace sign with a thumb and everyone does it the same. You know, if you have your doors off, you do it low. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Englishman, give himself away. How do you do that? He ordered three glasses. We order three glasses. That's the German three. And the other looks odd. It's, I had no idea I was getting into it. I was just like, I want that Jeep. 
And now I'm part of this community. It's like signaling you're part of the Van Buren boys. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. I stumbled into like a skull and bones and had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds to me like it's a really good opportunity to promote the podcast. Maybe just go up and say, hey, fellow Jeep driver, listen to my podcast about football in popular culture and whack maybe a bumper sticker on it. I think they'd really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves a random bumper sticker put on their, their vehicle. Well, this week we are talking about a man who I don't know if he owns a Jeep or not, but I get big Jeep energy from him. Absolutely. And that's former- Saints, Rams, and Chiefs offensive lineman Kyle Turley, but more specifically, his post-NFL music career. And to me, he seems like a pretty interesting dude from the research I did. Yeah, I really didn't know all the depth of everything he's into. I was I was surprised. It's He's pretty cool, actually. And the more I was researching, the more I was like, we should have probably just tried to get him on for this episode, but had a, had a couple of false starts with this one, so- you know, we wouldn't have been able to do that if we had him on. But I think he's a guy we could maybe try and have a look at down the road, getting on to talk about maybe his journey, because it is very different to a lot that you see in the NFL and certainly his journey into popular culture. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think he would be a cool person to have on for sure. I'd be very interested to rap with him. And he looks a little bit like Wyatt Russell as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or at least he did when he played. So Kyle Turley started his NFL career. He was pick seven in the 1998 Drafted New Orleans Saints. He was considered a bit of a reach. Yep. Had a really good 40 at the combine for a man his size. And the Saints reached on. This was around the time Mike Ditka was their coach. Yep. And he was doing all sorts of wacky things like trading their entire draft class for Ricky Williams and stuff like that. So <laughs> it was just another weird selection in a lot of people's minds. Uh, Kyle. Or Turley. Kyle, let's go with let's Kyle. Let's go with Kyle. Kyle played tackle and guard. Basically played everywhere across the offensive line, except for the pivot. First team All-Pro in 2000 with the Saints. So clearly an excellent season there. Never made another All-Pro, never made another Pro Bowl. But you know, to get first team All-Pro is pretty sick in an era that was kind of stacked with offensive linemen. Yep. Agreed. Um, I think what most people would probably remember about him was he got into an on-field stoush in 2001 with Jet Safety Damien Robinson. Yes. Do you remember this happening? I didn't, honestly, but when going back and doing stuff for this, it triggered in my memory. I was like, oh yeah, I do remember something about that. It's one of these things that'll show up in like the top 20 moments of teammates defending another teammate or on field bad behavior or something like that, because uh, Robinson from the Jets tackled the Saints QB at the time, Aaron Brooks. He grabbed Brooks by the face mask and, like, wrenched his head back. Yes, his whole body went backwards and his head was twisted. It was a pretty gnarly grab. Yeah, and it was after the play was over as well. And it was high stakes, too, because during that game, this was in 2001. 2001. So this was in a 2001 game. The Saints were trailing 16-9 to behind the Jets. And... Saints had made it to the six-yard line, and it was second and three, and Damian Robinson Mm. just did some pretty dirty football at that point. Turley took umbrage with Robinson's treatment of Brooks, and they got into a bit of a stoush, which ended up with Turley ripping Robinson's helmet off. Unlike Miles Garrett, didn't try and hit him with it. He sort of ran away from him and tried to throw it, and it's a bit of a baller move, but an (laughs) NFL helmet is a tough thing to throw. And it's sort of 
The best way I could describe it is, you know, you're probably a classier person than me, but you ever try and spit and you don't have enough juice to it and it just trickles <laughs> out just of your mouth? falls. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like falls that. Falls under your shirt. <laughs> Maybe the other NFL example might be uh, Tom Brady's rushing touchdown in the snowball slash tuck rule game where Brady drums up and tries to spike the football and just falls over flat in his face. It's sort of reminiscent of that. So Turley yep. got thrown out of the game after that, but that's kind of what he's remembered for, unfortunately, which is a shame because seems like he had a, a pretty nice career, especially given most guys who get drafted don't play at the length of career that he had, let alone get picked in a uh, first team all pro. Sure. And let me paint a little picture for people that weren't familiar with this player, didn't watch it. You can go on YouTube right now and check it out. So Damian Robinson does this to Aaron Brooks. Then you get Turley getting in the middle of him, goes and grabs Damian Robinson by his face mask and throws him to the ground. Players start getting in. You have this dog pile of players happening. The refs are in there. They're trying to sort it out. It's just a huge jumble. Turley crawls out of the pile without his helmet and a helmet in his hand. And you're like, is he holding his helmet? No. He's holding Damian Robinson's helmet, long hair, runs out in the middle of the field and just kind of flicks it up into the air onto the field. It was a big moment. And I don't know the the vibe of everyone during that time, but apparently what I'm what I'm told, what I'm read, what I've heard from certain fans is Saints fans loved it. Yep. Like they were all over it. And it made him a fan favorite right off the bat. He had jersey spikes and people were all about him, saying his name all the time, following him, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, he got a fine, unsurprisingly, from the NFL at the time. And Saints fans, before the days of GoFundMe, started a pay Kyle Turley's fine fund (laughs) uh, to try and pay it on his behalf. So that shows you. I mean, people love when a a guy's willing to stand up for his teammates like that. And, you know, Brooks- he got he got done dirty down on the ground, giving him the business. And, you know, this big Thor looking bloke comes in and, and stands up for him. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. As well. It was a bit of a kind of beginning of the end for him in New Orleans, unfortunately. Sure. He had some issues with injury, but was traded in 2003 for a second round pick to the then St. Louis Rams. Uh, not a million years removed from the greatest show on turf. So they still had Orlando Pace there. So he had to move position. Wasn't necessarily happy with the situation there and how he was managed through some of his injuries, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But he and Mike Martz, then the coach of uh, the Rams, they disagreed over the the approach to the injury. And that was kind of the end of his stint at the Rams after about a season, season and a half. Didn't play due to that injury in 04, 05. Uh, was signed as a free agent by the Chiefs for the 06, 07 seasons. But again, the injuries had taken their toll at that point. And he retired in December 2007. So, you know, close to a 10-year career there and a bit of a sad end for a guy that probably, but for injuries, could have gone on and, you know, maybe made a couple more Pro Bowls or something like that. Yeah, it was. He left, I think, officially from his own account for CTE. And he had had several seizures and things like that. Other things that kind of come with CTE, you hear a lot about depression and suicidal tendencies and all those things. I know that in 2015, which was later, he had an onset of early Alzheimer's as well. 
So he's had a lot of issues and he's really pushed for the care of these players because he essentially accredits all these injuries and all this pain to the way the NFL handled it, the way the coach did. I mean, he also had an issue with painkillers when he left, which I think was probably part of the issue as well. I don't know if that was publicized or not, but he blames that as well. He says that they kind of push these painkillers, at least then, on these players. And to quote him, they gave him out like candy. That's what he was. That's what he said. So in 2014, he ended up being part of a class action lawsuit against the NFL. Uh, 500 other NFL players were involved in it about team medical negligence. He's really been kind of an advocate since then on those items. Yeah, he. This is what I meant off the top when I say he seems like a really interesting guy because he's used his position and his experience to try and affect change amongst his peers and affect change within the game to make it safer as well. He's really candid. There are plenty of interviews with him on YouTube. He is a bit kind of bit too into his weed, <laughs> but he's had great success sure. with like managing his pain and helping him. But you know, there's so- sometimes you meet people who are like, oh man, you got to smoke weed and it'll like sort out everything in your life. You're never going to have another issue again. He's a little bit like that. Massive cannabis advocate. I mean, he, he straight credits it for saving his life. Yep. Helped get him off painkillers. And, you know, in 2015, he founded a cannabis coalition and they strictly work to advocate policy change in the NFL. That coalition is also involved with medical cannabis research on the effects and how it helps chronic pain and depression. So he really has been pushing a lot of policy in that. And I think he's also a member of the Doctors for Cannabis Regulation in the NFL Steering Committee. It really is a big drive for him. In interviews, he talks about using it during his career, like unknowing when they were going to test him and avoiding it. But he's also really candid about his painkiller addiction. And in one of the interviews he did with Vice, uh, he was talking about some bottles and bottles and bottles of painkillers given to him by team doctors. And then about a month later, the FDA, whoever, banned it and said, like, this is not fit for human consumption. And he'd been necking them like they were going out of fashion. Again, he's just super candid about his battles. Like, there's an interview with him. If you Google him, it's just about the first thing that he's like, yeah, so suicidal and homicidal thoughts are just a part of my life. And I can't imagine having to live with that constantly, but to do it as a result of something that- you loved doing, and you can tell even now, like there's an interview with him from last year on Radio Row where he's there to support the Rams in the Super Bowl, that he like still clearly loves the game, but, you know, it's it's a game that's not really done him any favours, unfortunately. That seems to be his underlining theme is that he loved football, but football, what it gave him, it also took just as much away. You know, he would say that they'd give him painkillers and some of the problems he was faced were essentially pushed under the rug with these painkillers, take a pill, go out. And from his account, that is really a lot of his issues have stemmed from all that stuff. This was the real issue I had with Mike Martz is that Turley wanted to well manage his injury, have proper treatment for it and recover. Martz just wanted him to keep playing and play on painkillers. And he's 
basically suffering the rest of his life because of it. But it's cool, as I said, that he's using his platform to try and help other people as well. He's a board member and active supporter of the Gridiron Greats Assistance Fund, which uh, is a non-profit which helps ex-NFL players get assistance and access to care and access to medicine, stuff like that. He was one of the founders, I guess you'd call it, of the NFL Lifeline, which is a 24-7 crisis hotline for current and former NFL players who are in dark places, which he helped found following Junior Seau's death by suicide in 2012. say, he's a really interesting dude who has had a more interesting life off the field and is working very hard to you know, to be the best man he can. Plus, he has his own dispensary <laughs> and CBD products, which, you know, a lot of stuff has been coming out on CBD regarding pain relief and neuroprotective properties, you know, for your heart health, improved sleep. I know a lot of people that really can vouch for the benefits of CBD. I think that that's cool. It's very popular. I myself have taken CBD in the past just to see what effects it has had. I think for myself, they were very minor at best, but I did, I guess, feel like I had more energy, um, maybe maybe more of a sense of clarity after a while. But it's just something I never really continued with just because the challenge of getting like good stuff, like good quality, clean, organic stuff was a little more of a pain than it was worth. And a lot of times they want to put THC in it as well. And I just didn't want to be taking CBD products with THC. Yeah, but it's a it's an interesting thing that people are really leaning into and a lot of research has been going into it. Yeah, I found it really beneficial when I was struggling sleeping. I probably should use it more. It is legal in the UK. THC based products aren't, but CBD is. Uh, it is becoming more and more popular and definitely talk to the guys I play cricket with, the older guys who are like, yeah, if I didn't have this, I couldn't still keep playing. Like, I don't definitely don't think it's like the be-all and end-all, but in terms of that pain management, I think it is a really effective tool. It's also they're finding in certain research, and I, I think there needs still needs to be a lot more done with this, but they say that it, they're finding that it helps certain mental issues too, like things like anxiety, stress, and some disorders even. You know, it's kind of an exciting thing that re- people are really focusing on, and You know, a lot of these things have come out through cannabis over the years as well. Mm. But that element of CBD, you know, kind of extracting that and seeing what specific properties that has is expanding at a rapid rate. Speak to your doctor. Obviously, before you get into any of this sort of stuff, don't take advice from two idiots on a podcast. Don't take advice from one idiot on a podcast. Talking about you, Joe Rogan. If you think CBD could have benefits for you, speak to your doctor. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. (laughs) You can throw the challenge flag on me recommending CBD to people there. So between his successful NFL career and his cool post-NFL career as a mental health and well-being advocate, Kyle Turley was a country musician. Yes, he was. And that's why we're talking about him this week. He's not the only NFL player to go down this path, though. And we see every year there will be... Some story through the preseason, like Lev Bell's released a, a tracks, so or there was this year, um, Kadarius Tony uh, was they were playing his music at Giants camp, and that was a an issue. So I I feel there are I mean there's definitely musical talent in the NFL. Often doesn't expose itself. Maybe the ones who have it don't, and the ones that think they do, maybe get into it too much. Right. But have you got any favorites from the past? No, no, I don't. So I can't say that any 
NFL player I know that has released music I've been into. Antonio Brown released a song several years back, Whole Lot of Money. Oh. Didn't he release a song on the cab ride back after he quit mid-game on the Bucks? I don't know. I thought he, I know he was working on all that during the whole John Gruden stuff. He was on the phone with him and he, remember he recorded his conversation with mm. Gruden. I know that he was at least working on it. I don't know if he released it then. I don't really remember, but I do remember the song Whole Lot of Money. It was really heavily auto-tuned the entire time. And the chorus just repeated whole lot of money over and over again. <laughs> they said a whole lot of money in auto-tune 15 times in a row. That was the chorus. 15 times. <laughs> That's 30 seconds of a two and a half minute song. And they did it multiple times. It's a really long time <laughs> for that short of a song. That song does feature Rick Ross, who actually does, you know, rap in there without auto-tune, but the song is just horrible, horrible. Le'Veon Bell, uh, he's released many songs. I mean, he dropped an album, I believe, right? Sounds familiar. Yeah. When he started, it was real bad. I'm going to say he's probably gotten a lot more consistent with some of the stuff that he's done, but it's it's like it's on par with all the mid hip hop stuff that's coming out, you know, like again, every time he's on the mic, it's all auto tuned pretty heavy. It's not super clever lyrics or anything. I mean, I feel like his beats are probably getting better and the people he's featuring gets better. But he does those little hip hop tricks like whispering as the, the intro's coming in or talking quietly before it drops. Like, but at the end of the day, it's still it's just not good. <laughs> like, I feel like you get enough money and you feel like you can be a musician. <laughs> and, and we see a lot of that. I know uh, Nada, <laughs> friend of the show, is a big fan of Stevie Johnson's rap album. Oh, yeah. And he often defends it whenever it comes up, whenever we cover a news story uh, on the other podcast about a player releasing an album. He'll always be like, Stevie Johnson's the best, the best album by an NFL player. There's uh, so many guys that will now drop kind of hip hop albums. There's a little bit of country. Back in the day, you used to get like Terry Bradshaw's Christmas album or yep. Joe Namath is covering standards and things like that. And I feel- that's sadly gone from the game. Like, I'd love to hear Aaron Rodgers talk his way through a bunch of, you know, 70s psychedelia. <laughs> right. Or some crooning. Someone needs to bring back crooning. <laughs> well, you know, Justin Tucker has a very legit possibility to do that. He's a trained opera singer. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's actually really good. We have in Baltimore, Royal Farms is one of his sponsors, which is basically like a, a Wawa or a Circle K or one of those that people might be familiar with. And he opera sings on it all the time for his commercial. So that's that's a we, little thing we get to see here. And now professional football kicker, Justin Tucker. Royal Farms Coffee is the one for me. 
fresh and hot, it hits the spot. Get yourself a cup at Royal Vaughn's, I'm sure you will agree. Two sugars and some cream, that is my dream, my cup of Royal Vaughn's. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farm. Yeah, I feel that would get the people in if it was sort of Justin Tucker performs Ness and Dormer, Pagliacci featuring Justin Tucker. Absolutely. All I'm picturing is Homer Simpson with uh, I Love Legitimate Theatre. <laughs> they go and watch Stop the Planet of the Apes, I Want to Get Off. Right. One that we will probably come back to on this if I can find it online, Dion Sanders unsurprisingly released an album. I think it's called something like primetime man or i want to say all i do is win i know that's dj colored i'm not especially cool but i do know that's not also i know that dj colored not especially cool <laughs> doesn't like going down on women which is not cool <laughs> it's an uncool opinion to have <laughs> yeah Dion sanders released a, a funk album in the 90s so that kind of puts the whole perspective on that primetime just awful just awful And the chorus to the song I saw was Must Be The Money. There's this theme in all these NFL players' music that's just straight about money. It's like all about money. Yeah, maybe that was the one I was thinking of, Must Be The Money. You know what? I'm not even going to cover it here because we are going to come back to this. I guarantee it. (laughs) Assuming this episode works well as a concept, you're all here for the pilot of this. We're going to get through it. We are. Absolutely. We're going to get through it. There are a couple of other sports stars. I mean, there's a million sports stars with album. I had, here's a real niche reference for all the cricket fans. I had Brett and Shane Lee's album, Six and Out, when I was a kid. And an album that I found out about recently, this came up on my Spotify daily country mix, which tells you when you hear these songs, you go, oh, you know, this is music I should enjoy. John Daly, the golfer, has an album. No way. And the lead track on it, is called Hit It Hard, and it's just full of golf references, (laughs) and it doesn't sound wholly dissimilar to the album we're going to be talking about on the show. Fantastic. So I definitely recommend people go and check it out, because like, yeah, my life's about hitting it hard. I don't lay it up. I don't try and putt. I just want to drive it far. (laughs) I hit it hard. I feel like with golf, there's so many sexual innuendos you could do in songs. I'd like to see a hip hop album from a golfer. Plus, that would just be, you know, hilarious. Yeah, maybe Bryson DeChambeau, while he lines up every single shot for 20 minutes, can uh, write some quality songs. Should we get into the music of Kyle Turley? I suppose so. That's why we're here. That sounds good. But before we do that, I know you're excited. Don't forget, we are part of 32-Bit. Follow 32-Bit on Twitter at 30-T-W-O-B-I-T. Never miss an episode from us, from On Beat, from Show To Be Named Later. To join in with our fantasy football spaces, which are becoming super popular, ask your questions live with some of the best fantasy football names in the community, like Marcus Grant, Chris Allen, me. That, I'm not putting myself in that class. I just couldn't think of a third person, and I am occasionally on there. So, no, check that out. We're obviously getting close to the season. You're going to have start sits. You're going to have ad drops. You're going to have waivers. So, stay up to date with all of that. 
and you'll never miss an episode if you follow at 32bit on Twitter. You can also follow this show on Instagram at Screen Pass Podcast. You can drop us an email with suggestions on what you want to do, suggestions of what we can do to ourselves, and that's at ScreenYouLater at gmail.com. Kyle Turley, beloved offensive lineman and beloved country musician, was a longtime musician, grew up playing music when he was in New Orleans. Obviously, that's a big city, home of jazz, baby. Became mates with some members of Pantera. I don't think Dimebag Daryl was one of them. Obviously, got into the music scene down there. Once he retired, moved to Nashville to pursue a music career. Released his first full-length album called Anger Management 2010. But we are going to be looking mostly at his 2013 second album, Skull Shaker. He has a bunch of songs from his early albums that are about football, more so than his later works. And if we have a look at his first EP here, the opening track is called Final Drive, which is a nice melancholic uh, review of the end of his career and like lining up for the the ride into the sunset. But Flying Helmets- That's the one. Is packed full of references. (laughs) Let's dive into Flying Helmets here by Kyle Turley. Let's do it. Football is sport of kings Sure as hell better than diamond rings But if flying helmets ain't what they want from me I'll sit right back and sing about my football days in Nashville, Tennessee Are you ready for some real football? It's great because he starts like laying into his football career immediately. Yeah, yeah. Fl- flying helmets ain't what you want from me because the fans <laughs> loved it. The NFL did not love it. I I do love a song that tells a story, but I mean he walks through his career. He talks about like wanting to play for the Cowboys. Well, I think that bit's coming up. So yeah. I like this part here. <laughs> I want to be a cowboy. But I'd rather have crooks from video games <laughs> and fire the great Tom Landry and fuck Mark Martz and never liked him. <laughs> Should have stayed my ass in New Orleans. <laughs> so on the nose, calling all these people out by name. <laughs> I love it. It's very much like a... He's calling out people by name. He, a bit later, he's talking about how much he loves Mike Ditka, which is fantastic. Yep. And fuck Mike Martz. I should have stayed in New Orleans. <laughs> it's just a fantastic line. 100%. His line on Mike Ditka is, thank God for Mike Ditka, one of the names that cares. I seen him put $1,000 in a homeless man's hand that had his middle finger in the air and never knew my bones could feel so much pain. So that's Flying Helmets. I don't think it's his best song. It's a hell of a lot of fun. I love that he's calling out Mike Martz, like name dropping Jerry Jones, but it's- Tom Landry. Like you'd be hard pressed to call that a banger. Oh yeah. Yeah, no way. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's done for, it's one of his famous things. He's throwing helmets and that that basically changed kind of the trajectory of his fandom, of his career. So it's good that he threw it out there. I noticed that this song, now, I guess he's defined as a country singer, Mm. but 
this song itself is very country. Yep. No, I know growing up in California, he was really into grunge and heavier music. And a lot of his songs kind of have that grunge influence. I can feel it. It's like harder than just your standard country. Yep. But this song is straight country. Like it's <laughs> like pickup truck, dog in the back. Girlfriend just broke up to me with me. <laughs> Got to clean my gun and go have some Budweiser country. Like if you just saw someone with a guitar and an open mic playing that, you'd be like, all right. Like it's kind of got that vibe yep. to it. It's definitely, as you say, more country than a lot of his other stuff. He has another song. He's like, obviously loves the Saints. On his kind of Adam's Apple, he has the Fleur de Lis on there. And he's got a song that's called like Black and Gold Pride, which I could see absolutely going off at Saints games and Saints tailgates. It's a, it's a real kick-ass song. I'm sure it's on plenty of Saints hype videos. Not available on Spotify, sadly, which is why we're not going to be talking about it. But definitely recommend people check that out because it slaps. Nice. I'm going to be one of the people that goes and checks it out. One of his other songs about his football career, which I think is super interesting, and I think this might be his, his best song, spoilers for my thoughts on the rest of the album we're going to actually be covering, is called Fortune and Pain. This one is basically a bit like his journey in the NFL of, yeah, you're up in the big lights, but you're putting your body through all sorts of shit. So let's give that one a listen. Let's go. This is off his 2011 EP, Death, Drugs, and the Double Cross. They say it's the glory, I'll scream your name, put you on shoulders, walk you to fame, you'll get all the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you Cause you're going for Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain You guys can't see this, but Justin's crying So it all feels the same Very dusty in here <laughs> Also cutting onions <laughs> Down in the There's a gnat in my eye This song makes me cry. Yeah, how's that drop into it? It's nice. Every rose has its thorn. <laughs> I uh, I quite like that song. Yeah. I agree with you. I was when I was listening through his music. This song is my favorite. Yeah. Out of out of the ones I've listened to. It's my favorite as well. It's put together nicely. It's got a nice rhythm. It has a nice drop, as you said. He gets passionate into it. Wouldn't be mad if someone threw that song on in the background. Yeah, I made the joke about you crying, but it's one of those songs that I could see, like, you know, it comes on in the car and you get home and you, like, just turn off the car and listen to the end of it. A bit yeah. like the guy who's way too into Desperado in Seinfeld. <laughs> right. 
and I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It, like I said, it's well put together. I honestly, as a whole catalog, if he released this in like the late 90s, he would be a music star. But as it stands, it, it was <laughs> released in, in, you know, 2010s. I could 100% see, you know, him causing riots at Woodstock 99. <laughs> right, right. Cranking out flying helmets. Yeah, exactly. Full of mud. <laughs> Let's get into the album. This is the 2013 album Skull Shaker. And it starts off with High. Nice start, like first track of the album. There's not heavy. Like, it's not a million miles away from, like, album filler from like a Chris Cornell. Yeah, it's got a Alison Chains vibe to it to me for sure. Yep. 7 degrees of separation or whatever. There's a <laughs> good um Alison Chains hypothetical <laughs> situation from Chuck Klosterman's uh, Sex Drugs and Coca Puffs. Might come back to at some point. Yeah, and this is what I was saying earlier. A lot of that you get songs like this and you get songs that are heavier that this is just not country. It definitely has a drug country overlay mm. to it a lot of these songs have a grunge rock feel mixed with country it's cleaner than grunge and you'll find certain things like some song have piano in the background but there's certainly country style influences the way he sings you get a lot of that bluesy riff and steel guitars but certainly harder and fuller guitar riffs for sure it's sort of like pantera by way of nashville exactly yeah it's well put and all songs are pretty heavy on pain toughness badass kind of stuff and then of course pot <laughs> he gets so high <laughs> <laughs> they all kind of sound the same there's a bit there's an <laughs> early kind of sniff to my feelings about this album it's hard to tell where some of them start and some of them finish and Right. High rolls into free problem here. I'm free like a southern sky. Now come down. Yeah. <laughs> I can see. Oh, say, uh. <laughs> My mouth can't open. <laughs> Jeremy Spokane. <laughs> Good reference to uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford there. 16 tons, sold my soul to the company store. That song's better than I remember it being. Again, it's kind of mid-album Chris Cornell. Yeah, absolutely. Not a massive fan. Yeah, no, me neither. Yeah, it's. I, I don't really even have much to say on it. It's, it is what it is. And this is going to dovetail into the next song a little bit, but I remember 
reading in Gene Simmons' autobiography when he stopped talking about all the women he'd fucked, someone pointing out that a lot of his songs in Kiss are from his perspective. I wish I could think of some examples, and it's quite a big Kiss fan. It's embarrassing that I can't. War Machine, there you go. Uh, God of Thunder, where it's I'm the God of Thunder, I'm the War Machine, these sorts of things. A lot of Kyle Turley songs are that I'm high, I'm free, yep. I'm Dark River, I'm Death Drugs and the Double Cross. Yeah, he. it's all about him being tough, him being a force and overcoming. But then it also talks a lot about pain and I got screwed over and, again, pot. <laughs> so next up is the titular Skull Shaker. And this, to me, as a little intro, sounds like late-era Kiss album filler, particularly the rhyming structure and stuff like that. This is very much the album tracks of Monster. So there's a deep cut for all you Kiss fans out there. better than I remember it being. I could see this pumping me up. Yeah, for sure. Wait till the chorus hits. Yeah, that like skull shaker, meet your maker, I'm your last taker. Yep. That is very much late era kiss. Yeah, it's rock out the ass. It's just straight rock and roll music. R-A-W-K rock. <laughs> rock! I wanna rock! <laughs> Might have been ACDC's last album, the one before, something like there was 12 tracks and eight or nine of them had rock in the title of it. <laughs> <laughs> just in case if you don't know what's about to happen. We're going to let you know. A lot of his albums, now I'm exclusively going through the catalog through Spotify, but a lot of them have the same songs on them. Yeah. You know, we're going to get into the next one, which is Cellar Door, which he had on an album of Death, Drugs, and Double Cross, which is going to be the following song. We Ride is on another one, and obviously Flying Helmets is on the EP and that album. It's a lot of these songs are kind of redone mm. and put on these albums, which you kind of get from a lot of earlier bands might do that. You know, even if you look at, I don't know, I don't know why the first one popped into my head was, but but like Green Day before they were big, before they released Dookie, they had earlier albums with songs on it and you get a lot of those repurposed later because mm. it's like, here's something that we did that you missed. Like, yeah. <laughs> listen to this. He seems to do that a lot. Yeah, well, the um, Death Drugs and the Double Cross was his EP, and that has Fortune and Pain on it and We Ride. He released We Ride as a single, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, he definitely fleshed out the EP with some other songs and called it an album, yep. which is fine. Like, I've not recorded an album. I imagine it's difficult to do it and write all these songs and- you try very hard that they don't sound the same, yet somehow they do. Not if you're Kyle Turley. 
I would like if uh, Fortune and Pain was on this, but you know what? We got to hear it anyway, and I think it's a I think it's a banger. Agreed. So as you say, next up is Cellar Door. Big wanted dead or alive vibes. Big time. Certainly at the start of this one. I thought the same thing. On the road again, I'm getting stoned again. <laughs> the way I feel. This road is lonely, so lonely, and this pain is real. Oh, and I want it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you never really think about it because Bon Jovi's such a big band, but, like, yeah. how does a loaded six-string on my back not come straight out of a country song? <laughs> right. Now, if memory serves, there is a drop at some point in this where it goes into sounding like every other song on this album. Yep. Ooh, Crown of Thorns. Living forever. Same theme. Living forever. Living forever. Wasn't a massive fan of that one. No, I mean, and again, it's I'm on the road again. I'm getting stoned again. At one point, he says, I stay high on this grind. And then it's the same kind of thing. Like, I'm a badass. You can't stop me. <laughs> and I'm wanted, wanted. Dead or alive. And I ride. <laughs> Celador. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's one of the great <laughs> SNL sketches, uh, John Bovey, with I think it's Jason Sudeikis and Will Forte, where they're the the Bon Jovi opposite band, uh, because in the mythology of it is they feel like by being the the exact counterpoint to Bon Jovi, they'll stop him existing, and their <laughs> version of it, unwanted, alive, and dead. <laughs> Nice. Two, three, four, cause I'm an Indian. Indian! On a cotton horse I do not ride, and I'm unwanted. Unwanted! Alive and dead. Alive and dead. Alive and dead. I like it. Basically singing the exact opposite of every word in the song. <laughs> and that's a little seven degrees of separation there. Go back and listen to our last podcast mm. on Balls Out. Speaking of Balls Out, Death, Drugs, and the Double Cross. Bit of Knights of Sidonia. Now this is more country. That's what I was just about to say. Yep. That twang. Oh, there you go. Kiss getting a, a reference. Oh, my, my, my. 
Yeah, so we get Kiss name-checked in that one. We get Wings name-checked as too soft for him. Now, this is a guy from California pretending to be Southern. This is along the lines of old Bob Ritchie, Kid Rock, pretending to be trailer trash growing up in an affluent family in Michigan. <laughs> right, exactly. But I will say, this song, I think, is one of the more catchier songs that he's done. Yep. It's well put together. It's got good pacing on it. Again, it's that country meets grunge kind of thing. I could see this in the back of some sort of movie, like a country car race or something. Mm. I don't know. (laughs) It's not a million miles from the intro music to our show. Yeah, that's true. It is similar to The Black Keys. It is similar in a sense, like that dirty but precise guitar music of Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. Like, he's nowhere near in that mm. their level, but like that dirty South rock. I've actually always kind of gravitated to more of the bluesy rock type stuff, like Black Keys, where things just have a little bit more of that soul. And like you said, it's a little harder, but it's very concise. It's clean, and it hits beats hard at certain points, kind of has the nice drop. I think this does that. Mm. And it, it does it well. Again, not to any level that we talked about before, but I certainly think that the song stands out amongst his catalogue. It is worth noting as well, all the production on this sounds very similar. His vocals are very echoey, like it's very music forward. Yep. That was grating on me after a while. He, this was released on his own record label, Gridiron Records. So if we get desperate, we may come back to some of their other artists over the journey. Ooh. I will say this, though, if he did release it himself, I don't know if it's on his record label, if that means he produced it himself. If he did produce it himself, then good on him. Yeah. It's really clean for a self-produced album. Yeah, exactly. Given I'm about to produce this episode, it's going to be nowhere near as clean. I'll try to make it harder. Clap it. Next up, we're halfway through the the album here, is Slow Burn. Like this podcast. Already. Tell us what it is, Slow Burn. Slow Burn, take it easy. (laughs) She ain't nothing, heartache and pain. Don't bother the Lord with my sins Just pray it all goes away This sounds very similar to Fortune and Pain. Yep, very country too. No, it's no good. No, I'm not feeling it. I don't care if the back end of that song is the greatest song ever. That is too slow (laughs) of a burn. And it is a, is that a, how long is that song? Is that five minutes? It's a five minute song. 525. It's the longest on the album. Yeah. Can't get through there. I don't listen to a lot of country. It's not my genre. It's just, I've never gravitated towards it. I know a lot of people that are, I've been around it. And I'm not saying this to insult country music because it's not a bad thing. I think it's actually one of the things that people enjoy about country, but the lyrics are very straightforward. It's 
it's mm. not painting a complicated picture. It's country tends to paint a very this is something you can relate to. But the lyrics and that, like sitting with you under a cold, clear sky, it's just it's it's pretty basic. It really takes something to to advance it a little bit more, I think. You know, you made the joke earlier about it's about trucks and guns and like all the stand up from the 80s, like my wife's a bitch. There's a song by Luke Combs that I really quite like called When It Rains It Pours. But that is 100%. Like the chorus of that is like, yeah, and then I picked up a waitress at Hooters and I don't have to see my future mother-in-law anymore and I like beer. (laughs) There are so many of those songs out there. Right. Yeah, Beer for My Horses by Toby Keith. Uh, There's one called Something About a Truck. But it's also challenging these days because I feel- Country music is getting so intertwined with everything. All music is getting mm. intertwined with everything. We don't really have pure genres anymore. All of them tend to overlap. I mean, you get country that has more pop influences. You have country like this, which is very heavy rock influences. Same thing across hip hop and, you know, just everything seems to kind of flow into each other these days. The country that has gotten my attention seems to be like that. And country music is an all surface value. You know, um, the song uh, Whiskey and You, is that the name of it? Certainly sounds like a country song. Yeah, I mean, that's a very kind of clever song. It's a more poetic song. You know, I enjoy that. I listen to it. I'm like, that's that's a good, that's a damn good song. So, Hmm. you know, I'm not saying that all country is just surface value, but it's very relatable, a definition of the genre in itself. Female-driven country is so much better than male-driven country, especially in modern years. Like, she doesn't really do anymore, but like Miley Cyrus, Taylor Swift, Marin Morris, they had some absolute bangers. Like My Church by Marin Morris is a, a banger. Um, old Waiting All Day for Sunday Night. What's her? Um, Carrie Underwood. Yep, Carrie Underwood, for sure. But even like, I'm a massive fan of Shania Twain yeah. and have been for a very long time. Her songs are so much. I mean, they're all bangers. No one does an opening. No one does an opening bar like Shania. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good with that. I I tend to gravitate more. I like female singers personally, so I'll gravitate more towards that right off the bat. I like the way the female voice sounds in music. So they got a leg up for me already. This is pretty pretty rote country, right. From Kyle Turley here. Like, it isn't quite John Cougar, John Deere, John 316, but it's not far off. Right. I get the impression he thinks he's kind of outlaw country, like that Johnny Cash-style man in black vibe. Oh, yeah. Next up, we have Wake Up, which I assume is a country cover of Chop Suey. That came out of nowhere. Please keep going your way till you're kicking in my door. Hey, mister, why are we still fighting this war? You said you'd bring my brother home, now he's dead lying on the floor.
after we just said he's not really traditional country, yeah. mm-hmm. that is as like line and length by the numbers countries you can have. You missed the mark on that chop suey as well <laughs> by a wide, wide margin. Yeah, we get uh, we get Jesus, we get America. I have a song title change. I think he should change the name to Hey Mister. <laughs> hey Mister, what are you talking about? <laughs> I think maybe we've been unfair on that one. <laughs> Seems very personal to him. He's an interesting, um, and I'm possibly alienating a lot of our audience here. I feel as though the country market tends to skew a certain way and have certain beliefs in line with certain politicians. And I did Google ahead of time to to look if he had views that aligned with certain politicians. And Turns out, not a big fan of, of said certain politician. You know, the, the old country protest song is kind of a a throwback to the Vietnam era and, like, I'm not ready sure. to make nice or whatever that song by the now called The Chicks was, where they were like, hey, fuck you, George Bush. So, yeah, I, you know, a nice country protest song. I like it. It's kind of buried on the album. Yeah, I agree. It makes sense. I mean, certain geographical locations tend to have different needs and values within politics. So a lot of times music that appeals to that certain location tends to side with those kind of values. So it's weird when you review something like we're doing, we're trying to have a good time. So we're we're ribbing a lot. I'll get more into my overall views, but really it's not bad. Like he's putting this together in a good manner. It's like the riffs are there, the music levels there. It's just not it's not pushing any boundaries. And this is probably going to jump into my overall review as well. I wanted to like this. I feel like I should like this. I do like country music. I do like that kind of dirty South music. But it's, I don't know. It's just missing something for me. So, like, I can appreciate what he's done. I can appreciate that there are some good elements to it. But I just wish I liked it more than I do. Me too. We got three more chances. We got three more chances. Well, it's fair to say- you know, I liked Wake Up more than I thought I did the first time around. Yep. And I listened to this each time in, like, one hit. And so it's easy to get dragged into, oh, this all sounds the same. Like, breaking up and talking about it, you know, it does make the differences jump out. So this is Dark River. generic yeah Yeah, he's just wailing on the guitar blazing (laughs) that git box um 
Yeah, and that, that, that's the thing. It's like, that's the thing. Like some of the music itself is put together, but you're right. It just has kind of a, a generic feel to it. I can see a New Orleans fan getting into this, throwing this on at a party or something like that. I can see it worked into some sort of football montage. Seven degrees of separation. Balls out. <laughs> Go listen. But yeah, fair, fairly generic. Yeah. This is his second album. They say you've got your whole life to write your first and then 12 to 13 months to write your second. So, you know, some of the songs aren't going to be as good. His first album sold 10,000 copies, reached number 17 on the Amazon MP3 country charts and uh, number 69 Hot. on the iTunes country charts. Number eight on the Billboard's Heat Seekers South Central charts. The Death Drugs and the Double Cross, as you say, being popular in New Orleans, was the top selling album in New Orleans and was number one on Billboard's Heat Seekers South Central charts. So, like, this is, these are his, his good songs. These resonated with people. Yeah. And, you know, he's opened for Hank Williams third, for Leonard Skinner, for Eric Church, who I'm a big fan yeah. of, George Jones, who I'm not a big yeah. fan of. <laughs> nice little career. He's also got a two piece doom metal project called Delta Doom. So he he sings and plays guitar on these, obviously, and sings and plays drums for Delta Doom. So again, like there's that metal influence. Let's see if we wrap it up here. I know I remember the last song kind of stayed with me a little bit, but I think it was more the structure. I don't really remember Smokin, which is track nine. I wonder what that's about. (laughs) Yeah, just a big fan of the mask. I love when he does the Cube and Pete Rumba. (laughs) Then Fox Cameron Diaz. Stanley Ipkin. Somebody stop me. We should release an album. Oh, yeah. Get it. Stanley Ipkiss was just a man. <laughs> then he found a mask at the bottom of a bin. Call this drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes. Make sure the levels fall from low. I got the girls shining, no so bright. Got a pocket full of chains for that toe. I'm smoking. Going down the road. Any cop that needs a rest can just. This guy smokes and drives a lot. <laughs> I could see this being on like a like an angry driving playlist. Yeah. For sure. And again, like I feel like the structure's there, the like it's a catchy tune, yep. the verses are catchy, but then like the chorus is smoking and going down the road. <laughs> it's like the sort of song you. I'm really bad at this, or really bad for this, I should say. You know, we just like round the house by yourself. You're just singing what you're doing all the time, all the time. Making a coffee, gonna sit at my desk like yeah. that sort of. Should thing. I make <laughs> eggs or just eat some toast? <laughs> <laughs> it's very much that sort of thing where it's like. I'm putting out the bin, I'm putting out the bin. <laughs> exactly. Hope my neighbors don't see me in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> the classic one that I, well, I don't really sing it so much anymore because I never go to the gym was, 
Pumping iron at the gym, pumping iron at the gym, no denying at the gym, pumping iron at the gym. And like, that's the same lyrical structure as our man Kyle here. Yeah, it's not nearly as clever as morning brown, morning brown. (laughs) (laughs) It's coffee, you fuck. (laughs) Johnny is the last one, which has real, for want of a better phrase, Civil War country vibes. Nice. I like that you set the environment before we jump into it. Oh, Johnny's gone to fight his war. Johnny ain't coming back no more. Johnny lost his life today in a cold field is where his body lay and we cry and we cry under the stars I could hear Joan Baez singing this it really doesn't fit with the vibe of the rest of the album, that's for sure. Don't mind when an album sort of finishes on a quiet note. Right. And you'll be able to hear this because we're talking over the top of it. But you hear what his voice can right. do. Not a cappella, but not far off. It would be nice to get more of that range in some of his other songs, that vocal range. Johnny, why'd you die for your country? You gave your sacrifice. Johnny, why, oh why, in a cold field beneath the foreign sky, and we cry. And we cry. Now, I don't know whether both Wake Up and Johnny are about someone he knew. I would suspect that that is probably the case, whether a brother or a family member or or a mate. But you definitely get the feeling in it. And although I don't necessarily like either of those songs, they do feel very authentic and from the heart. His music seems very personal. Everything that he brings in. And mm. even when you get that, like, I'm a badass kind of thing. I feel like it's always kind of predicated on some sort of like pain or you tried to keep me down or you tried to do this to me and I'm I'm overcoming it. So again, as you mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a very personal reference. It seems like that is a key theme in his music. And, you know, I think he's a badass. He is a badass. Like we talked about, you know, he was a badass on the football field. He's a badass off the football field with the work that he does for other people. I think that's You know, working hard in your community is one of the most badass things you can do. Yeah. And I wouldn't mess with him. Yeah, you're right. It is very personal. Yeah. So that's the end of the album. Any of these songs that we've listened to end up on any specific playlists, do you think? Yeah, I've been trying to be objective about it because I think this isn't my style of music. I think Fortune and Pain, I quite like that song. I don't think it's something that I'll be listening to, but- If someone threw it on, I wouldn't be mad at it. And I think Death, Drugs, and Double Cross has, I think that's the one that also kind of has like a nice little, little go behind it. 
think I wouldn't mind if someone threw that on too. But how about you? Are these ending up on any of your uh, summer mixes? Smoking, I could see going on a driving playlist. Mm-hmm. Skull Shaker, probably not. I just think it's a bit generic. Metal. Maybe Death Drugs and the Double Cross. But I, I did really like, um, and we said this off the top, both of us liked Fortune and Pain. I think that's comfortably his best song. Out of all the ones I listened to, I could see checking that out again. Or as I mentioned, if someone put it on, it'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, let the song ride. You know, I don't think it's the worst album that an NFL player's released. I think- it's probably among the best albums that an NFL player's released. Out of the ones I heard, that's easy. Easy to say. And as I say, it's kind of cool. He's like a renaissance man. He's he's had three careers, if you like. And I think it's cool that this is part of what he does. He obviously got a lot of healing out of this. Yep. You know, that's that's pretty cool. And technically, he is a musician. The stuff that he put together, it's the composers are nice. He can play. He has an array of instruments in there, like the guitar, the bass, the drums, the piano. Everything he pulls in there is really composed nicely. It's not my style of music, so I do try to look at it from that lens. But I think he did well at what he set out to do. Let's listen to one more track. This is We Ride of his best-selling EP. And then after this, we'll give our, our final judgment. It's a much better song than any of the others we've heard. Yep. Well, from that album anyway. From the California sun, no train to St. Louis on the Mississippi run. KC for one last stand to police in my gun. Nashville, Tennessee, live a life out on the road. So we ride another big he does a lot better when the songs aren't super hard or aren't super country. When he rides that hmm. line of almost like a harder rock country, that's where we see some of his better stuff. He has more range in his voice. It's just put together well. The beats are a little bit better. It has better drops when he hits that harder guitar. As you said, that song is better than all the songs on the other album, probably. And again, it's very personal. You know, he's talking about his journey in the NFL from uh, New Orleans to St. Louis, then to Kansas City, and then to Tennessee. I wonder if you were a a country music fan and big into, like you owned a Harley, whether this would be what you'd listen to. Yeah, I could see that. So, we've come to the end of the album. We've listened to a couple of others. Hopefully you're still here. (laughs) Where are you putting this on the list? I don't know. You want to do this one first? (laughs) <laughs> well, I always throw to you first so I can I can base it based on what you say. So I'll, I'll go first. I'll give you a reprieve here. I really struggle with this one a bit like I did with Balls Out last week. Yep. And the reason being, I, I should like this, but I don't. I don't necessarily think it's bad. It's not like you watch a movie or read a book and you're like, this is bad. I just didn't think I liked it. Right. 
but I really wanted to like it and I felt like I should like it. It's a bit hard to compare this to the Gus Zone because, again, there are elements that we talked about. There are some songs on here that I did like. I did like Fortune and Pain. I feel that really reflects my journey as a podcaster, the pain that I go through to put this out each <laughs> week and the, the mental and physical stress of doing this, sitting at my computer with a microphone in front of me. And dealing with me. Constantly. I can't remember what I gave balls out. I think I might have said it was a sixth rounder. I'm going to put this in the sixth round as well. I think it's better than undrafted. I think this is better than Gus. I haven't disliked this as much as some of the other stuff that we have done. And you know what? We're probably, it's a bit hard because we don't give other people the benefit of this doubt, but like fucking good on him for having a go. 100% agree. And a good job at it. People will hand out their EPs on the street. This is better than any of those you're going to get. Or a lot of these Absolutely. a lot of these albums that you see online or that people pass off as themselves. This is a level way above that. This is a professionally produced musical experience. And you know, it's not Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, but not everything has to be the greatest album ever made. I will say however, with a caveat that should it turn out that he's a piece of shit, I reserve all judgment and and take this away. I'm going to say Kyle Turley himself is a, a back end of the second rounder, but his music's a sixth rounder. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's where I had this placed as well. I had this in the sixth round. And again, this is strictly because the music itself is not something that I gravitate towards. So I'm trying to be as objective as possible with it. If someone threw this album on the background while I was hanging out, I wouldn't be mad. I think it's well produced. I think it has depth as far as the melodies go and the instruments. I mean, he has done a good job of pulling this together. I think the lyrics leave something to be desired. But again, it's very personal, and I like that, though it doesn't Mm. resonate me as someone who listens to music. I listen to all music, really. I mean, there's, there's not much that I don't listen to. I gravitate more towards kind of alternative rock indie world but i like a lot of harder stuff i like a lot of classic stuff i like a lot of hip-hop so i do have a range i listen to i'll put on classical piano music while i'm reading to drown out stuff i enjoy it so i when i say that i listen to all music i really really do this just falls out of that range of the things that i tend to like i can see if this style of music is something you like i would certainly bump it up to a fifth round now, if we are doing the person, I think you're dead on. Second round, third round as a, as a guy. I mean, I don't know his personal life. And if something does come out that's bad, we reserve the right to pull this back. <laughs> but from what I'm seeing, the speaking out on issues with the way that they handle medicine and concussions and injuries and pushing for the reduced issues with cannabis, all that I think is is really good work. It's not only whether you agree with what he's saying or not, just the fact that he's kind of dedicated a lot of his life to this shows me a sense of character that he's trying to do what he, what he thinks is right. So I like that a lot about him. Why don't you tell the good people where they can find you and we can get on the road again. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at justin underscore b if you want to reach out and say hi or see some questionable fantasy football takes or design takes 
If you want to see my web or graphic design work or need web and graphic design work, you can go to justin-b.com. Awesome. And as we said earlier, you can get in touch with the show at screenyourlater at gmail.com. You can follow the show at Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me at Sheehan Solo on Twitter. You can follow 32-bit at 32-bit. Come and say good day. Come and tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. Come and tell me what you think of Kyle Turley. And uh, we can all have a good time talking about that. And without any further ado, Justin, get us out of here. We ride. Screen you later. Up and I'm still sleepy, tired and grumpy like a baby. Wah wah, boo hoo hoos. Can you give me something for my blues? Morning brown, morning brown. Get yourself a cup of morning brown. Morning brown, morning frown. What the heck is morning brown? Oh, morning brown is great. You get it in a cup, add cream and sugar, then you stir it all up. It comes from beans. Have it hotter with ice. In a day, I'd say only drink it thrice. Morning brown, I'm still not sure. Can you please explain it some more? It's coffee, you fuck. Ah, oh, right, yeah. Morning brown, morning brown Zach, why do you need morning brown? I'm a sleepy boy, try as I might I didn't get much sleep last night I need to drink this morning brown Cause last night I was doing a fuck I was fucking all night long I was fucking with my ding dong I fucked in a bed, I fucked in a seat I fucked like a Labrador in heat Whoa man, that's TMI It's a coincidence though, I'll tell you what I too was fucking all last night I fucked real hard to the morning light I love to fuck, it's my favorite Everything to do, I'll fuck all night like a fucking you. Boys, stop lying, that's not true. Last night I was with you too. We were all a little hungry, so we got some food into our tummy. Steak fillet, so good it hurt, but we still had room for fucks. We fucked here and there, but that's not all. Fucked all night to the break of dawn. Fucking is my motherfucking favourite thing to do. I prayed to Jesus, then I fucked him too. I fucked real fast like a fucked jackhammer. I fucked like a 90s internet hacker. I fucked real slow, it took all night long. I fucked tenderly with my big ding dong. I didn't fuck fast or slow. Last night, like Goldilocks, I fucked just right. I like to fuck like this. That's cool, I guess, but I fuck like this. Wow, wait, I fuck like this. When I fuck, I like to moan. I go me, may, moo, more. Well, when I fuck, I like to say, round them up, get on back. Well, when I fuck, I like to sing. Whoa.